everyone, this is uh, the Geek, the Furious Magnus, and you're listening to the Knights of Outer Ren episode, whatever. No one really knows when this is coming out. And oh. I am here with Glitter Geek Alley. How are you, girl? Fine, how are you? Uh, this podcast is about the woman of wonder, Diana Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, they, yeah, they never mention Wonder Woman in this movie. Uh, and I thought about that. When I walked out, I was like, oh, they never said Wonder Woman. And another DC movie that they did not mention the character's comic book name was The Dark Knight Rises. They never called Anne Hathaway's Catwoman Catwoman. You know, we're going to talk about Wonder Woman here. And mm-hmm. I think that Wonder Woman benefits from the fact that it follows uh, uh, Suicide Squad and BVS and Batman yeah. vs. Oh, yeah. But I love, love, love Harley Quinn. I bought all this merch before Suicide Squad had even come out, and I had so much faith that that movie would be good. And I went and watched it with, like, my comic book crew the first time, and I walked out of the movie liking it. Yeah. And then yeah. my dad said something about, well, I want to go see it, so I went with him, and I almost fell asleep. The movie has no repeat value whatsoever, and that's really upsetting. And the thing about Wonder Woman is I walked out, and I'm sure you thought the same thing. I walked out of Wonder Woman, and I was like, well, when, when am I going to get to watch it again? Mm-hmm. I knew immediately I had to see it again. Like, that yeah. there's no way that I can... And we're talking about it having seen it, you know, once, or at least I've seen it once. Have, you haven't seen it a second time, right? No, I have not yet. I think I'm going to go tomorrow or Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I do not like to go twice to the movies to pay for anything that isn't Star Wars. But yeah. I may because I liked it that much. And specifically, I like those first two acts so mm-hmm. much. It, oh, actually, I, the same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Like, mm-hmm. I like those first two acts a lot. And then the third act, just like Guardians, you know, like I, I can find problems with. But I still like it enough that, you know, like you can't just wipe away. It's kind of like the opposite of The Phantom Menace where a lot of people say, okay, the third act of Phantom Menace is really good. But yeah. the first two acts aren't. I disagree with that. But still, I understand why people say it. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like the reverse of that. You know, like just because there are problems in the third act, and and the problems are minor in my opinion in Wonder Woman, like very small problems. Very minor. I noticed a few things. I really, I'm big on noticing hair. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm a girl. <laughs> because you have hair. <laughs> yeah, I noticed hair, and I noticed at one point that her curls looked a little bit more natural, and then they cut to Steve. Uh, to see Steve Trevor, sorry, and then they cut right back to Wonder Woman, and the curls are—it looks like they just took them off the curling iron. Yeah, I, no, I, I, you know what? I didn't notice that, but just in in the back of my mind, I can actually kind of see what you mean. I think I know exactly what you mean. I hate stuff like that because every time I watch it now, I'm gonna wait for that. Like, oh, here's the the <laughs> misstep in hair continuity right here. Like, I get really annoyed by <laughs> certain continuity errors. Yeah. I actually didn't notice much of that in this movie. Uh, uh, you mentioned the hair. I only acknowledge it now in the back of my mind. But if the only problem that I had with the movie was that the hair, you know, that hair problem, that's that's a damn good movie. Yeah, that's, that's pretty true. Uh, one of the, I'll, you know what? Let's just get it out of the way because a lot of this, this is the mistake I think a lot of podcasts and YouTubers make when reviewing a movie. What do they do first? They tell you the positives and then they tell you the negatives. So you end on the negatives. That's the dumbest fucking idea ever. Like, yeah, why do you do that? Collider does it all the time. Pisses me off. I was just oh. watching their Wonder Woman review, 
And I'm like, why are you ending on the negatives? That's one of the things. Like, I love John Schnepp. I love him. And oh, one yeah. of the things he'll do is he'll he'll always backtrack to the positives because yeah. he knows you can't end on a negative. Yeah. So exactly. anyway, let's yeah. start with the negatives here. And I and I have two. And really, that's it. Okay? That's how much I enjoy this movie. There, I only have two. One of them has to do with Gal Gadot's acting. Mm-hmm. And this is the one place where uh uh campia and i are gonna agree <laughs> i never um, agree with campia on anything you know i love him but i will i will let you uh go on without, okay. without... I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna point out one thing that he said that is true uh gal gadot is not a great actor no. she is not but Mm-mm. i think for 90 percent of this movie maybe even 95 percent of this movie she nails it like she oh, gets yeah. it she, so he's wrong about that, but the there are four. Oh my god, she's so good! Oh she's my so good. god, there are four scenes, and I, I, I actually counted them. So there's only four, but there's mm-hmm. four moments of genuine emotion, like where where she has to react to mm-hmm. a bunch of characters in the scene with her, and everyone is out acting her in that moment. And it's always when there are other characters around her, and you see how much better the other actors around her are. That's yeah. the only time I notice it, and and I'll I'll mention it here, and and this is just a this is like an acting criticism that I she can improve. Like this is not even that difficult for her to to do because the rest of it, like she nailed it, and she does not need to do anything better. Uh, one of the things you see with a lot of professional actors is in really emotional moments they use their eyes and their yeah. words and and their voice. That's everything. She moves too much. She moves her body and her face too much in those scenes, and it stands out like it does come off as a B movie actor when they. But she, she's not. She's not a B movie actor. Yeah. Just those four moments, and I, I bet you if she goes back and watches it, she'll notice it. And especially if she goes back a year from now and watches it, and she'll yeah. improve as an actor. I think in the next movie you will not see any of that. But otherwise, I was so. I was blown away by her in certain scenes, and I just tweeted about that. Uh, the baby scene. Oh, oh, I loved that. Oh my I god, this is so it was so genuine. But I'm only specifically talking about scenes, not her, just her movement, as in, like uh, the because in certain scenes she's moving quickly because she's very excited. I actually mean in the emotional moments when she's oh, when she should be about to cry, yeah. and and just watch. Okay, uh, I want to talk about. Okay, well, actually, I'm going to finish out my negatives because that's one. And then I'll get back to what I mean by that by pointing out a positive. The end sequence, the end fight, there is... Now, I I actually felt like we didn't need another BVS ending. You know, like a big, epic fight. And I understand that it's a, it's a book end, you know, because the story starts with it and you end with it. You know, like basically she's got to fight a god, right? Yeah. But did she really? And... And I actually think the movie would have benefited by not having her fight a god and maybe saving that for the next movie. Yeah. Uh, that's my criticism, really, because I actually thought the way it was shot, you know, you look at the way BVS was done, that big boss battle. Yeah. The only part of that actually that works is Wonder Woman stuff. And I don't like any, I don't like the Superman or the Batman stuff in that sequence. I love the, the Wonder Woman stuff, which is why there's no surprise in this. But it's shot better in this. Is that, there's, a, there's a natural feel to the way that the action is shot Mm -hmm. and also the emotional build up to that scene is intense and 
that is her like you know her best acting moment is in that moment when and spoilers people when her emotional level shoots through the roof <laughs> oh i i teared up there too oh my there god times so where good it, that was that was one of those moments I was like maybe maybe she's got this maybe she can do this and I'm not talking about the character of Wonder Woman I'm yeah, talking the actor. about you know, that you know she could do this and you know the amazing thing is I think this is going to outdo Man of Steel and I think it genuinely stands a chance at outdoing Suicide Squad I don't think it can beat BBS you mean money wise yeah, money-wise. Uh, but I think that this is this is definitely one of those movies that's going to... It leaves an impact on everybody that walks out of it. I think if it had not come out in the summer, if it had come out in December, it mm-hmm. would have done Titanic-type stuff or, or Force yeah. Awakens-type stuff. I think the problem right now is there are too many movies coming up. But I do think this movie is going to have legs because I think, you know, what was it about... I mean, Titanic had... Teenage girls in 1996, you know, or 97 or whenever it came out. They were the ones going to see that movie over and over and over. The Force yeah. Awakens had basically, you know, teenage boys and 40-year-old men who feel like and teenage myself. boys. And and young women like yourself <laughs> who loved Ray. But I think this might be one of those summer movies that we rarely see that will continue. It will be number two for a long time. Yeah. You know, like... Like we just saw that with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I think three or four weeks in a row, it was number two. Yeah. I think you're going to see that with this movie. Like Even when Spider-Man comes out, I think that could happen. Then we could start seeing it in you know, Suicide Squad numbers or something like that. Like I think it's going to do at least Guardians of the Galaxy numbers, which was oh, 370 yeah. million or something like that. A domestically, quarter of a billion uh, worldwide. I think it's going to do that. Now, if it does more than that, if we see some, uh, legs that we haven't seen before, then this is going to be a really special movie. Mm-hmm. And it only means that you know Wonder Woman 2, which now we've just learned that Patty Jenkins is directing, is probably going to be a monster. Like, it could be a movie that could hit $200 million if it does that. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. They're, they're projecting right now around $90 million, maybe $95 million. I, you know, I'd like to see it cross $100 million only because it's that good. Yeah. And then continue, like, next week, maybe even make $55 million. You know, like, do something like that. Like, not well, have a 50% drop. drop. It's all about the drop. Yeah. So, drop. we're going to see what the drop is. I think the drop is going to be small. I really do. I think it's going to be around 45%. You know, usually it's over 50%. I think it's going to be less. And if it is... It's going to be, you know, it's going to be so much fun. But anyway, go ahead. You, you, did you have negatives or, yeah, or was I that had, it? Okay, go ahead. No, I, had, I had one more and it was the casting of, spoiler alert, uh, Sir Patrick slash uh, Aries. They could have cast uh, Liam Neeson. I could see Liam Neeson in that role so but they already cast him in Batman. Like I know he's not. That's not DCU. But I don't know. Don't you feel but that? It was just okay. So an actor like a Liam Neeson type. Could you agree there? Because yeah, you know, no, I agree with you 100. percent I think yeah. I love that actor, but he is. I just think he's the wrong guy as that character. He was great oh. as the other character, but he's wrong as this character. That's all. But he was fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm, but it that it almost seemed like his character was an afterthought, 
and his casting was an after. That's why I have a problem with that ending. Like, or that, I mean, it's, again, it's fine. I'm not getting all negative, you know, too negative about it. Oh, I give it a solid A. Yeah, but it's, it's still, like, I would say the beginning of the movie is an A plus for me. The middle of the movie is an A to an A plus for me. And then it's a B movie in the final, I mean, except for the emotion, which is incredible. Uh, it's a, like a B, whatever, B plus maybe movie for me. So it, it, all in all, it's an A movie. But I, is that your only negative that his casting and the fact that he's playing that character and that, you know, basically yeah, what we all recovered? As of now, you know, I'm going to have to watch it again. Uh, probably, honestly, I'm probably going to have to watch it around three more times before I can tell you a really good I list. I agree. I agree. That's why I said I didn't even want to rank it. I ranked it in the origin stories. I said it's my second favorite origin story after Guardians of the Galaxy 1 mm-hmm. and right before Iron Man. So Iron Man used to be my number two origin story ever. I love that movie. Uh, but no, Wonder Woman is better than Iron Man 1 because I think the oh. Iron Man 1 ending is much worse than yeah. the Wonder Woman ending. So And there's no emotion at all for me in the Iron Man ending. Like, it's just like, oh, and then we have this fight at the end. It's tacked on. It like, doesn't even feel like it's natural to the movie. Uh, whereas in Wonder Woman, it does. I mean, we, it's been set up the entire movie. This fight's going to yeah. happen. Um, all right, so let's get to our positive. This is going to be a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, we might be here a while, friends. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, you we'll know, see. Pour yourself a cold beer and relax and get ready. Yeah, so my first one is because I'm going to mention this right up front because I'm afraid that this is go- this is going to be a role in an actor that people are going to not forget because you can't forget this character. Yeah. But it's going because she's barely in the movie, people are going to just kind of like be like, "Oh, and then oh, that's why we got to mention this." So she's going to be the first my first huge positive, Robin Wright. Oh yeah. Who is incredible. She's only in the movie for like 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, she almost steals the movie. Yeah. Like, she's, oh, she's so, good. so good. I mean, and she is badass. And you have to understand, for someone my age, mm-hmm. I grew up with her. She was first on, like, a soap opera, like, in the 80s. Yeah. And then she was in one of my favorite movies of all time, in my top five list of all-time movies, uh, The mm-hmm. Prince's Bride. Yeah. And, like, I've had a crush on her. And then she played Jenny... Oh, I forgot that she did that. Far is gum. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's like, she is such a great actor, and for for her to be in this movie, in this role, such a bad. Oh my god, and I hate that she died because. Oh well, it's a spoiler cast, I guess. I'm gonna put that in the title because. Oh my god, I wanted more, and if I have a criticism of this movie. Uh, that is not a negative. That's not has nothing to do with what's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is that I wanted more, but they can do that in the second movie. They can she can go back to her land, and you know we can see more of her culture. I wanted yeah. more of that, uh, and I actually love those scenes so much. And I love like the whole growing up, like that little girl. What an amazing actor! So cute. She was so cute. Fight, you know, pretend fighting with the invisible sword. I mean, obviously, it wasn't like the invisible jet or anything. You know, she was. <laughs> She was holding a sword. And I just thought she was adorable. I thought she was so cute. And child actors are really difficult. And you know what? I didn't care that she had a different accent from uh, Gal Gadot. I didn't care. 
So yeah. what? I didn't, you know, well, like children's accents change. I mean, I I grew up talking like this, you know. I don't talk like that anymore. So uh, no, accents change. But uh, it's like she was so good. Actually, every single one, even like the background actors of characters who never speak. Yeah. You were like, who's that? Who's that? She seems really cool. Like, yeah. there's that blonde woman who comes around every now and then, and like, you know, she's there when she when Diane is younger, and then when she's older, and obviously they don't age quickly except for the children. Yeah. So uh, we see her a couple of times, and she never—I don't think she ever speaks—but she looks really badass, and you know, she's like, you're just like, I want to know who that is, and I felt like that was so fleshed out well, and I feel like. And I, I, look, I'm not being, you know, a misandrist here. Mm-hmm. I feel like a man could not have directed this movie as well. No. I, I just don't think they would have understood when to stop. Because there are things about this movie. There are scenes where she slows the movie down. Like, she's not speeding to the next scene. There's that scene where they're lying in the boat. And they're mm-hmm. talking about, like, whether he can sleep next to her or not. Yeah. No, no way a man would have gotten that scene right and it was it they patty jenkins went about that so delicately and it didn't feel awkward because she understands that like a woman can have these thoughts too like a man you know it because she grew up in a time you know she's my age or she's a little bit older than me but she grew up in an age where women were thought of as lesser people it's just a reality in the 80s 70s they, you know, there was a movement in the seventies that kind of fizzled out in the eighties, actually. Yeah. And and by the nineties, you know, feminist was a bad word. It's only now starting to like try to come back a little bit, but it, it you know, it goes back and forth. And so she she understands that there was a time when this conversation it wasn't just in the twenties, it wasn't just in the teens, it also existed in the eighties and in the nineties even. And so she understands that this is a. Uh, she understands that conversation really well and why a woman maybe like herself, you know, would have been like, what is wrong with you? Like, you don't have to treat me so delicately. Like I'm a, I'm a strong woman. I don't need. And that in that sequence, she demonstrate what a strong woman is. Not, not what men think a strong woman is. A strong woman isn't somebody who has to kick ass. A strong woman is somebody who has strong uh, opinions and strong mindset and a strong will and this entire movie that's why i compared it to the first superman and i know a lot of reviewers have and i know patty has said it herself it is so so earnest and there's so much heart in the character and everything she says she means she is not you know she's not waffling even in that moment when she is kind of like she doesn't believe she is so strong-headed in that moment that she won't even listen to reason because she's so strong-headed and that's actually that's an asset and a liability in that moment, you know, towards the end of the movie. And, but she figures it out very quickly, and and but it feels believable. It doesn't feel contrived like someone else could have handled that. So there's a lot of this, especially that scene in the boat. It could have felt so contrived, and it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And the other thing I uh, I told a friend, I walked out of that movie too, um, very much like I did Mad Max Fury Road. They never made a big deal about her being so strong in the same sentence as her being a woman. Right. And that was a big deal. Yeah. And there are opportunities in this movie 
where there is a reference, obviously, you know, there, I, I actually think it's one of the best scenes I've ever seen uh, because I've actually been in countries where a woman walks into the room and the men will just be like, oh, <clears throat> that's a woman in there, you know. Oh. Uh, and so when you see that, and I saw it in this sequence, I was like, did, did Patty Jenkins grow up? in a family where this happens? Because I've seen this happen, and this is really accurate. Like, this moment is so accurate to what I have actually witnessed, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I'm such a feminist is because of the fact that I first grew up in Iceland, and then I moved to America with an Albanian family that grew up with these third-world mentalities of, like, the male dominance. Yeah. And you're just, you're just like, what the... And I feel like maybe that's why I connect so much to this movie and why i am such a a militant feminist and even when i was a republican i was still a a militant feminist um and i have that in common yeah (laughs) yeah i you know i was born in the states but i was born uh in the south i was raised in the coal fields of appalachia and i went to college a proud member of the gop and it wasn't until i took a class on hbo's the wire It wasn't any of my politics classes. It was HBO's The Wire that made me realize that conservative politics do not work in a country of this size. Look where I am now. It's literally been a 180 turn. Yeah. And you had that 180 turn. And I think maybe that's why we liked it so much was because she had such a turn. Yeah. And because she comes from, you know, I mean, it's almost like the reverse story of us, but she comes from freedom. And she goes to this oppression, and yet she is so, like, she's so much about righteousness, whereas, like, you know, Steve is, he is, but he's willing to do what has to be done, whereas she is, like, the unmovable object, you know? Like, she will not budge on her beliefs, which is, it's so earnest. And somebody was uh, talking about, you know, Patty Jenkins has even responded to the, the earnestness of this movie, how, how some people perceive it as cheesy. And I would say uh, what she has said and what others have said, and I tweeted about it today, which was in 1977, which is now 40 years ago, almost 40 years to the day, almost, only off by a couple weeks, a little movie came out in 1977 called Star Wars. Yeah. And you, know, heard- what, you know what was happening in the 70s? Cynicism, constant cynicism. Even, in fact, some of the greatest movies ever made were made in the seventies. But they're really, like, they're so much about their counterculture and like it's the anti-pop culture uh, era. And from that is born the eighties, which is the you know the pop culture era, um, because they bas- basically bastardized what the seventies were doing. But the one person who came out and was like, "Hey, guess what? Let's go really earnest." That's Star Wars. You know, Han Solo is in it to kind of be the non-earnest one, the cynic. But everyone else is really earnest. Everyone else is like, I'm a good guy and all that. We, 40 years later, almost to the date, we get another one. And it's Wonder Woman, just when we need it. Yeah, really, really though. I, You know, I, uh, I just got off of Twitter before we started this. And do you follow Clark Will on Twitter? Of course. He said something about you know, getting emotional when she left and how she left that movie having hope. And as a feminist, she'll get this. As a woman, I definitely get it. Right now, you know, this is a time where not a lot of us have a lot of hope, this political climate. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw that someone had replied to that 
something along the lines of, you know, what a joke. And I said, I replied. I said, what do you mean? What a joke. You know, because I left emotional too. And he said, fake people. And actually, do you mind if I pull it up and I'll read it? I won't mention his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please do. Please do. Yeah. I'll mention it verbatim. Here we are. Here mm -hmm. we are. Here's the thread. We're ready. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. He Let's said, do it. Wonder Woman was so great. It's the first thing that has made me feel good and strong and hopeful in a long time. Aww. And this guy said, LOL. And my response was, how is that funny? I'm curious because it made me feel hopeful too. And he said, fake people, LOL. And I said, I don't think she was being fake. As women, this was a big deal for us. I hope it won't be a big deal for the next generation. And he said, you know, there is other women. I'm reading the, this is his grammar. Oh, you know, there is other women than Wonder Woman, right? No, no question mark. <laughs> I said, this is why we need feminism. And I used one of those emojis uh, with the girl with the smile with her hand, like whatever. Yeah. And uh, he said, this is why feminism is, mo is evil most of the time. <laughs> And he's from Australia, so uh, you know, he, English is his first language, maybe, likely. And I said, okay, I get it. The idea of feminism to you somehow threatens your masculinity. Think that if you want, but good luck with girls. Bye. It's all bullshit. Yeah, sadly, guys like that do fine with women because there are, you know, Uncle Toms in the, in the you know, what should be the feminine feminist movement. I mean, there are people who will sell out their own status in life, you know, yeah. the, the potential of their own status in life in order to gain favor with people that they just don't want to argue with. And that yeah. is really what happens. And, you know, we, I don't know what we we're going to call him. Uh, Aunt Mary Sue, you know, like whatever. That works. Uh, I, I think that that's the, yeah, there's a bunch of Aunt Mary Sue's out there who are like, oh yes, you know, Ray is a Mary Sue and it's obvious. And I'm like, you can't, like, just go and look up what that means. Like, where did the term come from? Like, just use basic fucking understanding of language. And there are no Mary Sues anywhere. You know, the, Mary yeah. Sue only exists in fanfic. Like, that's the only place it exists. So when you take the term to and, and apply it, just Max somewhere Landis. you don't like it. Cause there's a Max Landis. Yeah, Max Landis. When, when you do that, all you're saying is, I'm a bigot. And I'm angry, and I have to announce myself because change scares me. And I understand this. Listen, I was a Republican or Republican supporter for the longest time, for most of my life. I understand where they, where why you feel like you do. Don't think that I'm like against Republicans. Don't think that I'm against conservative ideas completely. I've said it before. I'm not afraid to say it. I am not pro-abortion. I am pro-choice. I am not pro-abortion. I would never ask someone to abort a child. And in fact, I would encourage not to do it because I feel very strongly about that. And yet, I don't think that it is my place to tell someone else what to do with their body in a way that I can never, I can never have a child, right? So mm -hmm. I understand the conservative perspective. I love the South. I, you know, like, unlike many of my liberal Southern friends who hate the South, I love the South. I think the South is 
amazing. I think it has amazing culture. I live in the South. I love it. The culture that has been built up around, there is no fence in feminism. I hope you you get and the listeners get what I'm saying. There is no fence in feminism. It's the people that do not agree with feminism that have put up the fence. Yeah. Bigots, basically. I mean, you. the reason yeah. that the, the word bigot really is somebody who resists your differences purely because you're different and no yeah. other reason. And so all feminism is is the idea that everyone should, by default, be treated equal. Not, yeah. not that everyone deserves the exact same shot at the exact same thing, but if you have the same education, you have the same experience and all that stuff, it shouldn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. That's, what, that's where the difference comes in. And when people say like, um, oh, women, you know, they take different jobs or women make less because they don't work the same jobs or because they stay home, all these things, right? Yeah, yeah, that's because of 10,000 years of oppression. That's why that happened. So, yes, it is a fact that women take less hours, take the lower paying jobs, because those were the only ways that they could work. Yeah. So, obviously, that's why we we have this oppression, not just with women, but with races. And now imagine being a black woman. They get it worse than anyone and that's that's not my conjecture. That's facts. And I know that some people don't like facts, but that is a fact. And that's why a, a movie like this is so important. And, and I'm not, you know what? I am not ashamed of saying what I'm about to say. And I know that there are fuckboys out there who will go, oh, see, I knew it. I knew, I mean, he has a nice beard, <laughs> but I knew there was something wrong. Too much estrogen. Uh, and, and listen, I used to be 600 pounds. So obviously at one point in my life, I had a lot of estrogen in my body. What, you didn't know that about me? No, I did not know that. Yeah, I used to be 600 pounds. So wow. so I used to have a lot more. Thank on you. your hard work. <laughs> uh, it's still ongoing. So uh, I, you know, I used to have a lot more estrogen. So I was a lot more emotional back in the day. But so it's not just, you know, something like that. And I know I have a, a nice, you know, like full beard. Still black at my age. Like, what's up with that? And I teared up watching this movie, not because of the, not of the emotional scenes. Obviously, you're going to tear up. I was just tearing up because I was thinking to myself, if, if I was in this position, and yes, I'm an empath. So that's, a, that's one of the problems is I'm very empathic. Yeah. And so I'm watching it, and I am thinking about all the little girls who yeah. are going to grow up that when I'm in my 60s, they're... This movie, I think, will change lives, like, big yeah. time. Like, I think this movie could do for young women what Star Wars did for a lot of boys in the 70s. Yeah. No, I agree. Because I that scene where you first see her in the armor, she walks up the ladder, walks, climbs up the ladder, and then you see her in the armor. And I went into this. I brought tissues, but it's because I have some allergy issues. <laughs> and I didn't expect to have to use them for my tears. And I did not realize how much I needed to see that. I had no idea how badly I needed to see that. I obviously didn't, you know, I wanted to see the movie, but I didn't go in there thinking I need, you know, I want to see this because it's a feminist movement. No, I didn't know how much I needed that. Yeah, and I think a lot of women are going to feel the same way. And obviously, they're going to be the Aunt Mary Sue's who are going to be like, I don't need to see that because I, you know what? Feminism isn't even that important. And this will motivate a lot of fuckboys and Aunt Mary Sue's 
to rage against the movie and maybe be negative just to be negative. Like almost like the, I, I say like the Titanic Avatar Force Awakens backlash, which is when something is too popular, when something is too lauded or anything like that, you have to take it down a peg. And now this movie has the bigots on top of that and the Aunt Mary Sue's on top of that who are going to go extra hard on this movie. Now, I did go to a showing, an early showing, 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much 50-50, men and women. Yeah. So there are, there are guys going to this, and people clapped at the end of it and all that stuff. So I think for the people who are not internet whores, who don't go around constantly going on the internet like us, going on you know, Reddit or YouTube yeah. or going to the comment sections, going on Twitter, those people won't even know this is all happening and they'll just be like, wow, that was a really great movie. And maybe moms will take their daughters and their sons. Actually, even more so. Uh, it's really important for for young girls. I think it's just as important for young boys too to yeah. see a woman like this and to grow up not thinking, oh, she's less than us somehow. Like my generation, even me as a feminist, I grew up thinking... There's a time you there's a podcast out there somewhere from like 2007 uh, with me saying some dumb ass shit about women, like really dumb fucking shit that I'm embarrassed. And I'm not going to delete it. And I, it's still up on my website and everything uh, where I'm saying some really stupid shit about women because that's how you, you grow up. But yeah. you have to be willing to learn to change. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to change. And that's something that I've done over the years. And I think this is the type of movie and The Force Awakens, another reason why I love The Force Awakens so much, is because you are starting a change. It's not just for political reasons. I mean, I love it because I think the characters are strong. But yeah. uh, the same thing with Wonder Woman. I think all the characters are really strong. Even the background characters, they, even the side characters, even the team. Maybe individually they wouldn't work that well, but I think in the story they work really well. Mm-hmm. I think all of this is really important. And then on top of that, it's a really fun movie. It's a, yeah, exactly. It is a really, really fun movie. And in my screening, uh, I, you know, I do live in the South. You know this. Uh, yeehaw! Yeehaw! Uh, but I live in a city. I live in a, you know, uh, I'll do it in the Kimmy Schmidt voice, gentrification. You know, I'm surrounded by, you know, educated people. Okay. And most of them I know are liberal. I know my neighbors are liberal. Uh, but, you know, the surrounding areas are very conservative. You know, the farmers, the, you know, just average everyday people. And uh, I sat in front of a guy and his daughter. And the daughter, I think she looked like she was around 14. And she was going, oh, whenever, you know, something really neat would happen. And it's... Yeah like that you know like you were talking about you changed your mind you evolved you grew you know you don't have to be really well educated to realize that feminism is needed it's about exposure and the fact that this you know little girl wanted to go watch this movie and her dad took her that was exposure and maybe he is a a bigot and he doesn't think women should be paid equally which i never understood you you don't want your daughter or your wife to make as much money as the guys they work with? How exactly. does that make logical sense? Yeah. And and unfortunately, there are still men who think that it is fair that yeah. women pay, get paid less because they think that like by magic, like just by birth, you have the right to be better than someone else. That's not right. And hopefully movies like Wonder Woman 
especially good ones, you know, like if this had been a bad movie, I think that would have been a real big problem. They needed to get this right. And then you even look at Patty Jenkins, who made Monster, which is, you know, a, a horrible movie. Not not a bad movie. I'm saying it's it's yeah, horrible to watch. Yeah, a horrible situation. Uh, but it is so well. I mean, look, uh, I would say ninety percent of what the director does on set is run the set. Like that's the director's job to make sure that everything is going as planned and all that. The other ten percent, the only other thing that a director should be doing, because people often uh, conflate like cinematography with directing and is not for most directors they're not the cinematographer most of the time when you're like oh my god that movie was so amazing i love the way it was directed you're like no 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 that's how it was shot that's the cinematographer you're giving credit that the the director's credit is going to the cinematographer why do you think the academy awards has two different categories for that because the the visuals that you look at that's the cinematographer the how good a movie looks is a cinematographer, unless the director is really, like, pushy, unless they really push their vision their way, like, you know, like Michael Bay or something like that, who's, a very, who's known as a very pushy director. The greatest director of all time. <laughs> uh, is this John Rocha? So, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that, that, was, that was a joke. That was a joke. So, we only barely got through the actual discussion about the movie. Uh, no, no, now we're just talking politics. I feel like we're on Bill Barr's show or something. No, it's fine because this is usually what happens on my podcast is we start talking about politics. And one of the reasons, even when I used to do the Chuck podcast back in the day, and I think I was still a Republican back then, uh, we used to talk – it would always transition. We'd start, And that's why I said, like, why am I doing a Chuck podcast when all I want to do is talk about everything else but that? And I actually want to kind of turn it back around and to what Clark Wolf said in that mm-hmm. tweet. Coming out of that movie – I, you know, knowing all that, because it's a, I mean, look, Wonder Woman is a sad fucking movie, man. That movie is sad and dark, and it deals with war in a really powerful way because it's so happy, and then it's so fucking sad. Like, people fucking die, and, like, children, oh, it's just terrible. And you see it, and because the character is so earnest, and yet you walk out of that movie feeling uplifted. And it's almost like a metaphor for depression. Yeah, that, well, you, that you can be so dark and everything can be so wrong, but that you can be uplifted by yeah. something so like by beauty. And a lot of times, like depressed people will see something so beautiful and it will make them more depressed. Yeah, uh, that can also happen, but it can have the opposite effect. The thing is, you don't even know when it's going to happen until it happens. No, you never have any idea. And the thing I had mentioned this earlier, and we we didn't get off topic necessarily. We just you know got to something else. I didn't. It's the Knights of Outer End. We have no topic. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. But I got a message, and I had tweeted out, uh, you know, that I had just been, you know, I'd been a little down lately, and he messaged me, you know, this person that I really admire, like really admire, really look up to as somebody, you know. I want to have that job one day. You know, I don't want to take the job from him. You know? <laughs> I want to have that job one day. I want to do that kind of work. And uh, he said, you know, if you need to take a break from YouTube for a little while, from doing this for a little while, that's okay. I actually think that probably the more creative you are, the more likely you are to suffer from depression. Yeah, no, Because I it does like- activate. There's no doubt about it. Look, we all talk about this constantly, especially the creative types who are who suffer from depression. 
it is definitely a motivator. Like in a in a weird way, it can it's now. A drug. It's it, a drug because yeah. that depression gives you more inspiration. You know, when I first went on an antidepressant, I loved to write short stories, and I never let anybody read them. But I loved to write short stories. And when I first went on the uh, my antidepressant, and I, I have no shame in saying I'm on an antidepressant. You know, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for the antidepressant. Right. Um, I couldn't write. I couldn't yep. write stories. I couldn't write poems. You know, it irritated me so much because I I couldn't get out the things that I you know I knew that my brain was capable of. That is actually one of the problems. I think you know maybe a, uh, the problem for Chris Cornell or anything like that is that, or even Carrie Fisher because Carrie Fisher was so smart. Now she didn't commit suicide, but I'm saying like she suffered from uh, depression and all these yeah. other things, right? Uh, and I think that. It, one of the things is that a lot of depressed people, they end up medicating themselves with other types of medication, drugs yeah. of other types, alcohol. Because, because alcohol or other kind of drugs, because they help, but they don't take away that artistic voice in their mind. And I think that's why you see a lot of them turn to certain types of drugs that maybe spiral yeah. them out of control. But for the depressed person, especially the more intelligent you are, the more likely you are to almost weigh to say to yourself, like, I would rather die young than die old and not myself. Like, And there's a lot of people who, exactly. who talk that way. You know, sometimes I think, well, maybe, you know, and I never do go off of the medication. But sometimes I think, well, maybe if I went off of the medication, I would have more, you know, gumption to film. I would have more gumption to You'd get probably that. have less, though. I mean, because let's be real. That's you would have cool. inspiration, but you would never do it. And I would, I wouldn't be able to keep my job. And you know, the, yeah. the thing, I love my job. You know, I get to go out and talk to people. And you know, the way that I look at it is, I might be the only kind voice that anybody hears all day long. Being an empath, and you'll understand this: you cry, I'll cry. You're upset, I'll be upset because you soak in everyone's emotions and then you take on those emotions as, as your own and then they affect everybody else around you and you know that's the thing about depression is and this is just we live in a narcissistic society let's get real the people that don't understand your depression and have to watch your depression they get annoyed by it Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they think it's like, oh, God, here this person is just they're trying to get attention or whatever. And it's like it's the opposite. Yeah, we would rather have no attention at all no. for this than the attention you think. And that's what I'm like that ignorance, that level of ignorance that we're, that even applies to feminism and all that. Like, you know, why we have what we've not now coined, which I'm sure if uh, suddenly this somehow this podcast goes viral and people are like, uh, oh my God! I can't believe that he he uh, corrupted the the Mary Sue because there's a website called the Mary Sue that's a, a, essentially trying to take the name back. But I'm going to say it again: the Aunt Mary Sues, who go around and you know belittle the feminist movement, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But you know, again, we've already covered that. Um, it's the same thing. Like 
this is a uh, this is coming from ignorance from people who don't want to learn because it's too tough for them because you say yeah. it's a narcissistic society I say I don't think it's a narcissistic society I think it's just a really self-absorbed world where we encourage people to take selfies all day yeah. and 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 I don't mean like that there's no judgment for that but I'm saying that even the judges of that and I'm fine if you want to take pictures of yourself all day but I'm saying like what what happens is when you do that, when that's that's all that your life becomes about is yeah. how good do I look, it devalues personal relationships and it yes. all becomes about, you know, meow meow beans as a community, as Dan Harmon uh, put it, the uh, the meow meow beans, the, you know, the likes, the fucking favorites, the whatever that's your entire life becomes. And so what we're. We're developing a culture of young people who are going to grow up like, I don't give a fuck what you're doing at 13. As long as you don't become a 23-year-old who then has a child and you raise them that way. This is what happens with cultures. You know, the reason that uh, Generation Y or your generation, uh, the reason millennials are better people than Generation X is because Generation X realized that the baby boomers sucked as parents. And so we overcompensated and made these children who love themselves, right? But there's a problem with that, which is, yeah, you're more accepting of people's differences and all that. But you're also creating a generation yourselves of young people who are now, they always take more of what their parents do and try to like top it. And so you're creating narcissists. That's the problem. It's really the coming generation that's the narcissist generation. That's the generation that's going to be effed because they are going to – they're growing up in a world where that is fine. The mom is taking a picture of herself all goddamn day. And I'm not saying it because it's, it makes you a bad person, but it's how it looks to your children or how yeah. it looks to people you can influence. Like let's say you're influencing young girls or young boys even. You are creating this culture of people who are not Wonder Woman they are Tony Stark. Tony, Tony Stark, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's probably a cut somewhere in this podcast because uh, we we needed, um, you know, we had human interests uh, yeah. happening. So, yeah, we talked about a lot. We talked about depression. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about uh, um, uh, feminism. Uh, we came up with a whole new term for uh, women who are anti-feminism. Aunt Mary Sue. Aunt Mary Sue's. Um, and we talked about Wonder Woman. And, and we barely have gotten through the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, <laughs> so I want to I wanna tackle a few more of the things that I really liked. I thought... And, and I have to see the movie again because there's a lot of things that are happening. But, you know, I I loved, like, the hot tub scene or whatever you want to call it. The, yeah, the, yeah. I liked that, too. The yeah, penis I- references, you know, like... The many way and at my screening, I don't know if yours caught this, but there's that one point where he says something. There's another penis reference right at the end of that scene. I'm and, not average. Yeah, and it's like, and I don't think no one at my screening caught it. Like I laughed, no one else did, and I think that they didn't catch that. Uh, there were a couple of things too in the movie where uh, what's his name, his secretary, says a few things that I think. She says it very quickly, and I think they didn't catch it because I was laughing and other people weren't. But uh, that whole scene, like with her getting dressed and her 
even though we that had kind of been spoiled in the trailers and all that stuff, uh, was still really funny. You know, I wish some of the things that they shown in the trailers had n- had not been shown at all. Like there was that one scene I think in the final trailer, and maybe I shouldn't have watched it. There's, there, that's something I'm starting to consider with some of these. Like I am not watching any of the Baby Driver uh, trailers oh. anymore because I don't want to know anymore. I don't fucking yeah. Know or the or the apes trailers like the the um yeah I don't want to so see anymore for that movie I know we're not talking about that movie but I'm really excited for that movie no I am and we can talk about whatever we're excited for but uh but in this movie even like um there's a great moment man I there's actually a lot of really good dialogue in this movie there's some cheesy dialogue too but there's a really good piece of dialogue and a great fucking moment and just these are the moments, like I was saying before, I don't even think I got to that point. You know, that 10% is the director. Yeah, because I got on the cinematography angle. Yeah. The, that 10% is the director dealing with the actors. Yeah. That, and so when you get a good performance out of an actor, a lot of times you can say that that was the director's influence. Like, yeah. unless, of course, it's a great actor. Like, yes, I get it. Shirley's Theron was a great actor already and then she won an oscar for monster and you could say like hey maybe maybe that's why they didn't give patty jenkins another movie for 14 fucking years but uh i think it's just ridiculous that she didn't because in this movie you see gal gadot not a great actor she's an okay actor in this movie a a far better actor i think because the director is that good and there are a couple moments where she has to be really earnest it almost never works we are such a jaded cynical culture these days that earnestness comes off as super cheesy and people don't like it and she, i i can't even think of one scene where her earnestness felt off or felt cheesy it, it never felt fake it uh, you know it felt so genuine every time you know every time that she you know made some kind of reference to you know she was you know born to help people or you know anything like that it didn't feel cheesy it felt real and uh you know it's stuff like i want to say stuff like that but i don't like i feel like i was put on this earth to help (laughs) other people and to make other people happy do i need to be recognized like wonder woman no but i feel like my life has been put here to help other lives uh, because I know what pain feels like. Her saying that out loud, not on a podcast, in a movie, uh, it it felt genuine. It didn't feel fake. And, you know, it. she had the earnestness, earnestness, however you could say that. Of I a, think that's right, yeah. I think that's right. She had that of a five-year-old. Pretty and much, yeah. I do not mean that as an insult. And the reason I do not mean that as an insult is because whenever I feel like I'm not capable of something, I ask myself, now what would five-year-old Allie think of this? Would five-year-old Allie go for it or would five-year-old Allie say to stay back? And if five-year-old Allie thinks that, um, you know, if I asked myself at five, if I was able to look at myself at five years old and say, what do you think I should do? If the five-year-old says to do it, I'm going to do it. And the reason that I say that is because I feel like when you're that young, if you have not had a lot of trauma in your life, you still believe that the world is good. You still believe that those fairy tales, while they might not be real, the moral of them is real. 
And, and you actually said something really important right there, which was, I mean, outside of that, which was if you haven't had a lot of trauma in your life. And yeah. because there are, uh, there are six-year-olds or five-year-olds who've had trauma in their life. And yeah. they will never be the way that, you know, what people call normal. They'll never be that. For the rest of their lives, they will be uh, affected by that trauma. And that's why it's so important. Like, you look at Wonder Woman in this movie. And yeah. the little girl you see that starts the movie and then, you know, she grows up, she gets older. Uh, it's the same character from the beginning yeah. of the movie up until there's a moment in the movie where you see almost the 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 switch is flipped. And yeah. that's when she kills the guy that she thinks is Ares and he's not. Yeah. And she goes, I don't understand. They should have. And she's so certain that she had that she has a um you know she loses her religion in that moment like yeah. she just goes what this makes no sense to me i was so sure that i would just kill and we as the audience are along with him are like yeah because it's not real that's why like <laughs> you dope you don't get it and yet in the end of the movie everything she believed is confirmed she yeah. is validated 100 percent because what happens at the end of the movie the germans and the allied uh fighters are all standing there on the tarmac together and kind of embracing and things like that yeah uh and that's because the the veil of the gods has been lifted from them and they are no longer and it wasn't just the germans who were under that spell it was the allies too and so the, the idea there is that all of them were equally bad. They all thought they were doing the right thing. They were all under the same spell. And I've, I've actually seen some reviews that say um, that actually there have been a couple of negative reviews that were negative purely because of this, right? Because they say, uh, well, it devalues World War One, you know, and it, and it takes away. No, no, no. This is an alternate universe, okay? You have to understand, DC and even Marvel... They're not our worlds. They are like side worlds right next to ours. Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3. Whatever. They, you can't... Look, they are... The same things happen in their world that happen here, but they're different. That's yeah. how you have to look at it, you dopes. Okay? In their yeah. world, that's what happened. I understand like 20 years ago, maybe, you would have had outrage over this because people would have been yeah. like, what? But we've now established a world where this is different. Flash exists in this world. He's already been in another movie before this one. Yeah. Uh, maybe the only good thing about BBS is that he was introduced for a second. There is so much uh, Superman, the first Superman, to this character. And we have not seen that version of Superman since the first Superman, what was that, 70, whatever? Uh, was uh, the director, Richard Donner, is that his name? Donner, yeah. When you go back to that movie and you watch it, you know, yeah, the special effects don't hold up. But yeah. it is like, yeah, that's the movie we've been waiting for. That's what man of... I understand that you don't want to... You know, one of the things that people are critical of The Force Awakens, they go, oh, The Force Awakens is too much like A New Hope. And, and obviously it's... Uh, there are elements of New Hope in it, but there's also elements of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in it. I mean, it's like yeah. an amalgamation of all those movies. The reason that it was important to do something like that to a new generation is to say, this is why Star Wars is Star Wars. The Force exactly. Awakens is the culmination of all that is great about Star Wars. And yes, if it repeats for you because you're 40 years old, 
I understand it maybe doesn't work as well for you. It should, but it maybe it doesn't. I understand maybe that's not how, what you wanted to see. But the notion that something is a bad movie because it repeats something? No. Execution matters more than how new something is. Like, you can make a movie that is way different. And I would say Man of Steel is that. Man of Steel is the different that- Superman. And it is not... Good. Not Superman. That's not the Superman I grew up with. And it's not good. I am not sorry that I don't like that movie. And yeah. I'm not sorry that you do. Like, fine. If, not you, no, but I, like someone, someone listening. I'm saying if someone's listening and they love that movie. I know a guy who loves that movie, who adores it. I know that the Collider guys constantly talk about it. And I'm just like, I roll my eyes like way back in my head. Every time they say it's a masterpiece. Every time uh, John Campius is a masterpiece. I roll my eyes back in my head. I almost die. But... uh you know, the best parts of that movie are actually the Russell Crowe stuff. Like, I think that's the only good yeah. stuff in the movie. Uh, and he's a side character, really, in the movie. But, you know, it's like it would have been better if you would have re- essentially rebooted, recreated the first Superman with those ideas in there. And then just done your own thing instead of making it so different that it wasn't familiar. So we have already seen time after time. It's not just Superman. Time after time, we've seen someone try to do something different. You know, uh, how about Batman and Robin? Uh, (laughs) Terrible movie. Uh, With some, there's some decent things about that movie. But for the most part, it's not a good movie. And you, yes, and it's different. And it's same, but it's different. He tried to do something a little bit more colorful, but it was the wrong time to do it. Um, there are movies that do something really different and are really good, and yet no one watches them because in that moment, like the audience isn't prepared for that. And there's a lot of movies like that. Fifth Element is one of them. Fifth Element is brilliant. No one went to see it. Star Wars could not afford to do Rogue One first. No. Oh, no. Uh-uh. And so they had to do The Force Awakens. Like, The Force Awakens is like the sacrificial child. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really well made. And that's why I say, you know, that's why The Force Awakens is my third favorite Star Wars movie. Because Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. And, I mean, you know I'm a Star Wars sweaty. You've probably seen pictures of my no, Star Wars. I've seen your videos. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am a Star Wars nut. And I have so many problems with Rogue One. I, it's one of those things I didn't need it. Does that make any sense? No, no, no. That's exactly what I... When I saw that movie, I said, the only thing that I... Ha- I mean, look, the cinematography is amazing in that movie. Oh, it's stunning. Especially once they get to scare up. It's just stunning. Uh, and, and, I mean, even just the way they shoot the action sequence. I mean, obviously, that's part of the cinematography. But that is just... That is just so beautiful, and everything everything looks so good in that movie. I mean, I can't take that anything. And I really like a couple of the characters, but I just feel like the way they play that whole movie out, like towards the end of the movie, especially, uh, you know, you have the two characters who basically go, oh, we're off to die because it's a cool shot. Like, there are tons of aircrafts around, tons. And everyone's just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Why aren't you trying to get on one of them? Seems yeah. like you could outrun that thing. It's not moving that quickly. Well, and it's event driven. And I'm I'm no, you know, I don't go to critic screenings, obviously. You know, I'm I'm not there yet. I'm going to say yet. Uh, but you know, I go to the regular screenings of movies, but I feel like, you know, Rogue One, just from a fan perspective, it was event driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Force, the Force Awakens was 
character driven. From second one of that movie to the the first time a dialogue is spoken, everything from beginning yeah. to end, it is hundred percent about the characters, and uh, and the plot is in the background, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that because much like in Wonder Woman. If you do not get these characters right, who cares if the plot is interesting? Who cares what's happening? You know, and 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 it's good that the World War One setting actually works in this movie much better than it works. The World War Two setting works in the first Captain America, and I like the first Captain America. And this movie is often compared to it. Uh, no, this is again. I've said many times I like the first Captain America. I think it's a really good movie. This is light years better because. Yeah. I, I only care about Captain America and Captain America. And in, in, even Winter Soldier, which is my second favorite comic book movie of all time. I do not give a shit about the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I don't care about him. I care about what's going on with Captain America and S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff. That's amazing. Great writing in that movie. Uh, and those characters are really interesting. But the character, that, the titular character is not interesting. <laughs> well, there's whatever. The subtitle titular character, yeah. whatever. is not interesting is not even interesting in Civil War. I don't think he's an. I don't think that's the right actor for it. I don't know. I just don't like something about the Winter Soldier. I just don't like something about uh, Bucky. But that see, and going back to Wonder Woman, that was what made Wonder Woman so great. Because was there really a character that you didn't care about except for Ares? Yeah, I mean, outside of the villains, which is listen, they made a great Marvel movie. Okay. Wonder Woman is a great Marvel movie because the, the villains suck. Kevin Feige did a great job. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on another great movie, Kevin Feige. Because also, she was supposed to be uh, hired for Thor The Dark World. Yeah. And, I mean, now you look at that. First of all, Thor The Dark World is not a good movie. Uh, I don't think any of the Thor movies so far. I think the next one might be great, though. Yeah. Uh, but the first two, they're okay, but they're not great movies. Uh, I think if you would have had Patty Jenkins on Thor the Dark World instead of that Game of Thrones guy mm-hmm. uh, who basically made a, a decent Game of Thrones episode out of Thor the Dark World. Uh, I think if you would have had her, oh my God, imagine the heart in that movie. Imagine yeah. the the great character beats in that movie that we got with Wonder Woman. And I know it may sound to some people, there's there are going to be a few people who are going to listen to this. And and. Granted, there are only going to be about 20 people going to listen to this podcast. And most of them are going to be like, why the hell did you guys ramble on so much? But there are going to be people going to come in and go like, yeah, it's not that good. It's not that good. No, it is that good. I am not one for hyperbole. I am not the guy who runs around going like, this is the greatest ever or this is the worst ever or whatever. When I see something that I can just – because and you and I, because we're both empaths – because we we can sense kind of like the room, we can sense people, the way people absorb things. Not even when they're around us, we kind of we can almost project what they're going to do. Oh, and we've never mentioned this in the podcast, but there we are birthday twins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, we were both Aquarians. Uh, right at the end of being an Aquarius, yeah. towards being a Pisces. Towards being a Pisces. We're on the same day. So I mean, different years, obviously, because I'm like ninety years older than you. But. <laughs> But still, we we have very similar personalities. Which is no surprise because I think the first time that I ever found out when your birthday was, I was like, "She has to be like." I don't know if I asked you that or you offered it, but I remember thinking like, "She has to be an Aquarius, right?" Like, and I'm not like a big you know astrology guy, but no, I'm not either. But I was like, "Yeah, she's an she has to be an Aquarius." 
Aquarius. Yeah. Right? Like, she no. has to be. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, you know, I don't believe in astrology in the way that, you know, like, today's going to be like this, you know? Like, no, I, no, no. I'm a, I'm a physics guy. I'm a, I believe in, you know, astronomy, okay? Yeah. I, believe, yeah. I don't believe in astrology, but I believe in time of year of birth. Where yeah. you're born, where you're made. I was made in the USA, by the way. I was made in New York City. Uh, I was born in Iceland because I was transported against my will in my mother's <laughs> belly. Uh, my mom did the opposite of what, you know, Trumpers accuse people of doing. She shipped me out before I could be born here. She took you out of there. Yeah. How dare you, mom? My mom did not think that one through. I, but I do believe, though, in the birth, in your birth date having power. And the reason that I say that is because I'm an Aquarius moon and a Cancer sun. And the exact opposite of an Aquarius yeah. is a Cancer. Yeah. And the Cancer, you know, the Aquarius is supposed to be so aloof. And the moon is strongest in Cancer from everything I've ever read. And so basically everything I've ever read about having an Aquarius sun and a Cancer moon is on the outside you are going to be stone cold. But the inside, everything is just mushy goo and you cannot help yourself but to get emotional. I do have a friend who is very much into astrology and uh, she'll talk to me about things. She'll be like, oh, there's there's things about you. They're so not Aquarius. And I'm like, well, first of all, because that really doesn't mean anything. But I, but I try not to belittle her beliefs, so I don't say that. But I, in my mind, I'm like, that's because this is all hogwash. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's goofy, but uh, but also I maybe she's right, you know, like because uh, I am the kind of person who because the empath and all that, the intellectual bits and the the I try to be reasonable. I also say to myself, like, well, there's maybe there is something to it. It's just different. It's not exactly astrology. It's something else. Like I say, like time of year you're born or whatever. But there are definitely things about. When you read like uh, – and I'm not talking about your daily horoscope. Like this is what most people when they dismiss astrology, they go, oh, it's a daily horoscope. It's so stupid. Of course. Like it's just written like ambiguously so that when you read it, it sounds like you always. Uh, every one of them sounds like you. But – or like a fortune cookie. You always read the fortune cookie. You go, god damn. How do they know? Uh, because they're written, written ambiguously. You can do this anytime. In fact, my fake uh, Star Wars spoiler site, the uh, original idea was to write everything ambiguously so it sounded like everything I said was true. Uh, oh, I love I that. I did you read my, my uh, episode 9 review? Uh, no, you have to I go read that. I'll have to go read that, but I absolutely loved that. And as someone who tweets back and forth with Jason Ward, and I feel like making Star Wars is you know, like really legit. I they really are legit. They're, they're the only legit site out there. Reading your parodies, it was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 90%... Uh, oh, I say that too much. I'm 50% parodying uh, Mike Zero. And 50%... No comment. No comment. <laughs> and 50% parodying uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com.net. Whatever. That's where the name comes from. Yeah. Uh, because now they've actually relaxed their BS since I actually started the parody account. And I'm glad because I think they are as, as Jedi council constantly has to tell us cause they pay them to say it, uh, that, you know, they are an aggregator of Jedi council. Like that's how I got into Collider. I understand. It's fine. I, I listen to them. But I'm saying they constantly go, oh, great aggregator. But they are. And that's actually true. Even though they're paid to say it, that's actually true. Star Wars News Net is really good 
uh, aggregator. And I've said, like, stick to aggregating. Stop fucking saying you have a scoop because every time you say it, this yeah. is actually one of the things I respect about John Campia. He got three in a row wrong and he said, fuck it, we're out of the fucking, you know, uh, the scoops game. We're out. Like, we're not doing it yeah. anymore. And I was saying, basically, by doing that parody site, was I was saying to Star Wars Newsnet, do the one good thing John Campia has ever done with his life is... Come, oh, well, except, okay, he married well. Fine, he married well. Um, but he is th- that he said, I am done with the scoops game. I got too many in a row wrong. And then Star Wars Newsnet posted 9 million fucking things on their website before uh, San Diego Comic-Con. I mean, San Diego Comic-Con. Star Wars Celebration. And you and I were having uh, private conversations, I think, at that point. Yeah. And I was saying to you, none of this is happening. Yeah. None of this is happening. I didn't even need insider sources to know that. Okay. No, like my biggest, you know what I want in Star Wars. And like, I'm, I'm of the belief, like it's probably not going to happen, but at least I can admit that it's probably not going to happen. You know, you've got yeah. those out there, you know, that still really believe, truly believe. But that's going to happen. I'm not even going to mention the name because you know what it is. Are I'm you, not- are you saying Raylo? Yeah. It's never I, I, happening. No, I want it to happen, but I don't think it will. <laughs> no. And, you know, I, um, I, I'm i going to take a little time out from that to just say one thing. I wouldn't be talking to you right now had it not been for Collider because I Collider I'm is... I'm not a- shitting on Collider. I think that they yeah. have amazing people. Where, In fact, out of all of the shows on YouTube that do the same thing, I think they have the best people. Yeah, no, well, and, you know, the thing, the thing is, some of them follow me on Twitter, and I want them to know that... Uh, I know, Mark they, Ellis already responded to the one thing I said, which was really funny, because I love... Like, Mark is my favorite out of the whole bunch. Yeah. Well, John Schnepp and, and Mark Ellis are my and favorite. he's a Virginian, too. He's a Virginian. And he's a really sweet guy, and he's really funny. And I've actually seen his comedy routine, and he's actually... He's genuinely a really good stand-up yeah. comic. Like, he's really yeah. good. My uncle Bruce is really into his comedy. Yeah. No, I mean, and I was like, when I heard, uh, I was like, what? Mark Ellis is a stand-up? Like, uh-huh, yeah. whatever. Like, everyone's a stand-up. And then you see him, and you're like, oh, he's actually, he's a real stand-up comedian. Like, he's actually really funny. He's really good. Like, could have it as, he could have his own sitcom. Kind no of doubt. Thing. He's He also yeah. seems like a kind of guy who enjoys doing what he's doing, and maybe yeah. he doesn't want to change it up too much. He probably could be more successful, but... I'm I'm one of those people who says uh, stop trying to push people to be more successful than they want to be because yeah. you know some people are just you can tell he's really intelligent. No, the thing that I I took him to task for was when he said that the whole uh, Oscars thing was staged, the you know the reading of the the winner at the end there, and I was like that's dopey. Like and I can't believe that Mark Ellis is saying this because I feel like this guy's intelligent. Why is he saying that? Like this is the kind of thing that Mark Ellis would be going like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Normally on Collider, so and then he doubled down on it, and then he kept up, and I was just like, what the fuck is he doing? So that's the only thing, and the only time he's ever responded to anything I've ever said was that, and I was just like, of course, this is like the one thing that I rage against is don't be mean to people on Twitter because you don't know when the one time they're going to you know reach and then it happened. And I was just like, God, I'm such an asshole. So I felt bad. I actually did because I, even though he took it in stride and he was really nice about it, uh, I'm sure he wasn't like, I know in, internally, like we act a certain way. We, we project a strength that doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he didn't like it. 
I don't think he like even if he's chill as fuck and he seems he, like he, he is. Uh, I I did get to meet him at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. I didn't end up actually talking to him as much as I ended up talking to Ken Knapsack. But uh, Mark Ellis actually talked to my dad Aww. and talked to my uncle Bruce more, and they really <laughs> hit it off. And I, you know, I'm still trying to decide: did I leave a good impression or a bad one? Because Come Mark, on, Allie. Mark Ellis remembered Uncle Bruce. And, you know, the, the thing is, you know, I, when you watch someone on YouTube that much, you can, or any TV show for that matter or whatnot, you feel like you know them. But it was something about getting to see these people that I just really never expected to meet, uh, you know, that I have been watching for years, really admire, and I don't see them in a celebrity light. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. And, uh, and, you know, and by the way, we should we should kind of separate because... There is a difference between the schmoes and Collider, the way yeah. that because you and I watch the schmo every week. We watch, that's my favorite. That's actually how I got into the whole Collider thing. Is I watch the schmoes, okay, and that's where I get like Mark Ellis. He was like the funny one on that group, like the the funny intelligent one, and the yeah. rest of them were all like boys. You know what I mean? Like men. You know, like and Wake Forest. You know. Yeah, except for Ken, like Ken has always been a mystery, you know. Like Ken is a really interesting guy, and uh, and I've I've often said Ken is my hero. Like he's like he's a guy I want to grow up to become. Although he's younger than me, but he's a guy I want to grow up to become uh, because there's something uh, Ken Napsok really interesting. I know this is such a fucking divergent, and I mean no one is gonna care about this conversation, but Ken Napsok is like the guy who doesn't want to succeed. And yet, despite all his efforts to not succeed, has. The thing that I really admire about him is no matter how much success he's had, I feel like he probably acts the same he's today the same guy, yeah. as he was a teenager. And uh, I, I interact on, or on Twitter with him some. We tweet back and forth from time to time. And because, you know, I'll occasionally live tweet during schmoes and whatnot. And I guess they noticed that. And they wish I, you a happy birthday. They did wish me a happy birthday. But I went, uh, you know, at Star Wars Celebration, I went to the meet and greet, and I didn't even say anything. I didn't say <laughs> anything. And Kidnap saw, saw me and said, Allie, he's a real person. And I can tell you with 100% certainty, after meeting John Campia, after meeting um, Mark Ellis, after meeting Jeremy Johns, after meeting um, Perry Nimeroff, they act in person the exact same way that they do on screen yeah and i would ex- i would expect that because the, their personalities it's probably their natural personalities that make them good at what they do so they're going to be like and i also think like perry is probably uh just a incapable of not being genuine uh so wonder woman uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonder woman great film all right everyone thanks for listening uh we're just gonna cut the podcast short because it's already two hours long and most of you are already asleep and we'll so, probably do it again yeah oh yeah we should definitely do it again uh so uh anyway ali tell them where you are on the twitter and on the youtube uh you can follow me on youtube at glitter geek tv you can follow me on twitter instagram and snapchat at glitter geek alley and in case you were about to spell Ali, A-L-L-I-E, that is incorrect. <laughs> it is A-L-I like Muhammad Ali. 
You can follow me at GlitterGeekALI on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You are so professional at that. Uh, I I couldn't even say I've been doing podcasts for ten years, and I would never have done it as professionally as you just did it. Is that a sign? <laughs> yeah, you should be doing this. I shouldn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and goodbye. I I've got a cough. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. You're um, human. I'm human. He created Ahsoka. <laughs> he created Ezra. He created Kanan and Hera and everybody else. He did not create Thrawn. But what he is it? Oh, okay. Uh, let me see. I'm going to Google you're gonna look. You're going to look it up. Come on. You can get this. He's like the most famous person in Star Wars I, fandom. I would know if we were He is Lucas's Lucas. protege. Yeah, no. If he's I, not Pablo Hidalgo. No, he's not Pablo But he Hidalgo. hangs out with Pablo at all the conventions. All the time. Uh, let's see. I, oh my God. I cannot think of his name. <gasps> This is so embarrassing because if we were having a regular conversation, I know that's why this is funny because you know that like when pe- a person Dave Filoni, I got oh I got... come on, you looked it up. Yeah, because I looked it up, uh, but I saw Dave Filoni, and I said, "Hey, I really like your work," and he did, like I recognized yeah, him without that Thanks, title. thanks. Yeah, 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 I got it. Thanks. No, yeah, no, no I love your work. I don't think that line that opens the movie, you know, this will begin to make things right. I do not believe for a second that they, that Kazan and JJ sat there and said, (laughs) we're going to take a, we're going to take a shot at the man who gave us this. Yeah. They have too much respect. They are writers. There's no fucking way. This is like, this is the kind of things that fans dream up in their brains. And then they go, it's fan fiction. It's, it's, Fan fan fiction. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's fan of fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 ridiculous. There's no way these men respect the shit out of George. Even if they think he's a uh you know, an annoying shit sometimes. They respect the shit out of him. They would never fucking throw him under the bus like that. And I don't think they even thought about it when they wrote that line. I think afterwards they were like, Oh god, maybe we should have seen that one coming. That's yeah. much more likely than Kazan was like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. No fucking way. Find a place.